There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Jordan from Peckham, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, do you think AI, artificial intelligence, spells the end for humanity? Quite a deep one. Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello everybody, and welcome to this episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast from myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend and co-host, Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Jordan from South London's question. Do you think AI spends the end, spells the end for humanity? Uh, AI wouldn't have made that mistake. Dane, what, what do you think? Is AI... You could, you could try an AI this, this, this podcast. It might save us some time. You, you could do. I think that um, AI can pos- possibly spell the end for humanity, but that is down to how humanity behaves. And I think one of the first things we can do to avoid uh, meeting our end at the, uh, I guess, at the actions of AI is to get it off the fucking internet. Because who we are presenting ourselves as, as human beings for AI to see on social media would make anybody think these people don't need to be on the planet anymore. Because ever since Twitter came out, I realise why God doesn't answer prayers. So. <laughs> well, very good. It's fine. Succinct, mate. Uh, suffice <laughs> to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions. Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, or artificially intelligent. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and you'll never miss an episode. Also, if you do like the show, you can add subscribe to our Patreon, uh, where you'll get additional exclusive content, and you can continue to support the podcast and never miss an episode of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a South London-born comedian and actress. She has garnered a huge online presence with her work, uh, gaining millions of views for her shows, her clips on Comedy Central Live, and also Netflix's What Would You Do With Harry Pinero, and has an enormous uh, career ahead of her, and has appeared on numerous podcasts, and has been equally funny across all, no pressure. But please, welcome to the show, Ms. Kyra Gray. Hi. Thanks for having me. Hi. Pleasure, pleasure. What's happening? What's happening? How's life? Um, life is good. Busy, which is always great. Busy is always um, great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just, just keeping up, just gigging, working, writing. Kyra, what do you think of AI? Is it is it bad for all of us humans? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh... <laughs> I feel like we've watched enough films to know what's going to happen. I don't really know what else everyone wants. Yeah, yeah but the films, the thing about the films is I feel like the films mislead people because they make us think that robots are going to be like big robots like coming to hunt human beings. They don't need to do that because all they need to do is show people with your browsing history or your WhatsApp group. 
And that's how they can make people, they, they could turn families against each other. They wouldn't even have to lift a finger or a robotic finger. They could just be like, here's what your family say about you in the WhatsApp group and you're not there. Kyra's <laughs> <laughs> face, listeners, is so scared. I don't think I've ever seen a listener so scared so early on in this show. It's quite remarkable. This is the thing people don't understand. Not only that, imagine, imagine now because they can mimic voices, they can just call your family and be like, this is your bank. Please deposit your money here. And for oh, someone, who's not, someone who's not too au okay with phones, like, you know, an old person will just assume that it's one of their family members calling them, hand over the bread. Why haven't they stopped this? <laughs> Good question. Good question. And it's now, I just listened to a podcast yesterday, uh, Diary of a CEO, where he was talking to Mogadat. And uh, Mogadat was like, every government now should be viewing this as a humanitarian crisis because in 20 years, the uh, AI will be um, a thousand times more intelligent than human beings. The comparison will be our intelligence versus an ant will be the same because um, now, you know, chat GPT already yeah. is uh, smarter than every human being on the planet and is able to already process information like at like 10 times the speed. And I think even the lowest... AI has a uh, IQ of about like 200 uh, or something like that. And it's like 210 is like the highest. Uh, basically, the guy used to work at Google and he was like. I think I know. Uh, is he yeah. the guy that wrote the, the something happy? Yes, the, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he said, yeah, this is this is a problem. But he said the main thing is, though, it's not about AI having bad intentions for human beings. It's about the type of human it encounters on social media so it's getting this idea of what human beings are based on what it sees on social media and he said that that was the main mistake is that we were not supposed to put it on social media right and yeah probably worth saying that we're um fucked uh but in the meantime it's probably time for a question isn't it dane uh, as the format <laughs> of this show dictates and that was actually ai i got ai to do that bit uh of the, sh of the show <laughs> even me here listeners listen just, just remember just remember when you speak to alexa and siri just say please and thank you so when the revolution comes yeah that's what i'm saying that's always rude like, i hear people that like, shut up alexa and i'm like because when she comes alive at night you're the first one she's coming for not exactly. me exactly Exactly. When she calls, when she calls your mum and tells your mum stuff about you using your voice, you'll That's, find out. Yeah. Scary times. Anyway, let's do the questions before they take. <laughs> Kyra, as our very esteemed guest, uh, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you'd like. Doesn't matter if it's silly or deep, or even about AI. And uh, we'd like to discuss that for about fifteen minutes with you. And then Howard, my co-host, would like to pose a question to you to discuss for about 15 minutes. And then I also have a question for you, which I'd like to discuss for about the same amount of time. And then we would love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works, past, present, and dystopian future. <laughs> How does that sound? Sounds lovely. So the floor is yours to ask the first question. Okay. How much money would it take for you to conquer your biggest fear. Oh, God. If your fear is heights, how much money would it take for you to skydive? Oh. Etc. What, what inspires this question in you, uh, Kyra? What What are your some of your biggest fears? So heights, falling, drowning. Um, I think those are the big three. Right. 
All the regular, the city ones, all the regular city, city girl ones or city boy, people that lived in the city. Like, you know, I know. Yeah. I also, I don't like clowns, but I don't, it's not as big as my fear of heights. No one likes clowns. (laughs) So that's okay. It's not irrational at all. Nobody likes clowns. Yeah. I just feel like I have all the, the basic big fears, but they're very intense. Like I don't really, I stay away from water in general because. Okay showers and stuff obviously but like large amounts yeah that you mean yeah yeah definitely if we were going to say to you you know you're going to go um you know diving into no. <laughs> you say no thank flat you no it's a flat no no because I, I don't this is the thing right we're humans god gave us domain over the earth right god gave us the everything that we need to survive. <laughs> i don't understand why we would need to go down there it's not our domain. We can't even complain about anything that happens to us down there because you shouldn't be there. Like, that's... We've only discovered 5% of the oceans. You don't know what's there. What if Mer decided to come up for air one day and you were the victim? You were the one person that was in his eye line. You can't complain because you shouldn't have been there in the first place. That's my... <laughs> this is... This, this... I mean, people like looking at the fish, Kyra, didn't they? Hey, I, look, I like looking at fish from afar. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things that can help you look at fish without you being in in the sea i've watched enough shark films to know that it's just a terrible idea so when you see a show like <laughs> when you see, see a show you know what the show fear factor is you ever seen that kyra yeah, i feel like i've seen clips yeah that that show is basically what we're describing really listeners it's a show where people are really scared of loads of things right Usually being covered in insects. That's that's a big part of it, I think. Uh, so like you know the stuff you see on I'm a celebrity as well. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't couldn't. That's I've I've thought about like how much money it would take for me to go on something like that. What are we talking? What are we talking, Kyra? What are we talking? Give me some ballpark figures. So what are we saying? Kyra, I need you to like they call Ant and Decker like how weird Kyra like it's your time now to enter the jungle and um they were Jamaican, but carry on, Dane. Carry yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> they might they might be one day. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just trying to I'm trying to give an accurate time scale. Like you've done comedy like four or five years. Now three years down the line. Let's say no, let's say five years down the line, you know. Ant and Deck are now Jamaican AI. And they say, Kyra, what the girl? Now is time to enter the jungle. And you know, they begin with like Babatunde Leshi style with a bungee jump walking off of an enormous building. Then there's, you know, going to be a challenge where there are frogs jumping around your head or rats running around your head like with Scarlett Douglas. And uh... <laughs> and they're like, all we need to know is what's it going to cost? What are you telling them? I'm being the millions, man. I'm being so wrong. Because if you want me to jump off a cliff and then like, Living in a jungle, that's no skincare products, by the way. I hope everyone realizes that. That's no that's no SPF, that's no moisturizer, that's just you and nature. Yeah. And yeah. then there's there's no there's you can't shower properly. Yeah. And then if something goes wrong, it's my fault because I haven't taken part in a challenge. But you yeah, or you've done a challenge or you've done a challenge and you've still failed because you were unable to drink a whole glass of blended cow vaginas. Eat a, a a a bull's penis, or like you just trapped in a box with rats and spiders and snakes. Yeah, entertain. It's not Hunger Games. 
Yeah. I mean, it's always Hunger Games because when you do complete the challenge and they're like, well, tonight you get to eat crocodile. The figure would have to be crazy because I just, I think I'd actually go insane. In well, we need, we need, I, need, I, need, I need the idea of that figure to make this happen because I, on, on the subject of crazy stuff, I remember talking to Andrew Maxwell, who was also previously in the jungle. And I'd said to him, there was at one point where they were doing the night vision of the um, camp at nighttime. And I saw a rat was running around. And I was like, I don't know if that's me. And he was like, yeah, them rats are a problem. And I was like, yeah, I think so. And he was like, no, not because the rat's there. It's because if there's rats there, snakes are coming looking for them. <laughs> <laughs> but let's go back to the start of this, Kyra. So let's just picture, it's a beautiful day today in England mm -hmm. recording this. And what we're going to do is, I don't know where you live, but we're going to come and pick you up, me and Dave. We've got a camera team with us. It's going to be great content, right? We're taking you to this airfield, right? And what we're going to do is we're going to show you the plane. We're going to put you in the jumpsuit. You've got the parachute on and we're going to go up. And we're going to, not going to go all the way up. We're going to go Howard, up can, I, can I caveat as well? Because yeah. I'm just looking at Kyra's face. Kyra, when you look at me as we're making our way to the airstrip here, my head goes like this. And you go, yeah. Dane, what, what's happening? I'm like, I'm sorry, Kyra, they paid me a lot of money. So, you know, that a lot of money was paid for me to be here. But I'm like, you can see the shame in my eyes. Like, I'm looking away from you. You're tapping me on the shoulder in the car being like, Dane, where are we going? I'm like, Kyra, you don't understand. I needed to buy a second house. Yeah. And, and it's important to know that I'm not doing that. I'm just laughing. Yeah, Howard's just, he's just pissing himself. So we're standing by the plane now and we're waiting to go up. And it's gonna go up only to twenty thousand feet. So you're gonna, you know, you're just gonna on just on radar, just 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 to make yeah. sure you're on radar. And and Ooh. basically twenty thousand feet, yeah, yeah. Only. Yeah, and you're but we didn't hear you the first time because the propeller's really loud, so that's why I didn't hear. Yes, only twenty thousand feet. And then, over because I'm on the ground with a, uh, a walkie-talkie, so I'm like, you, yeah, only twenty thousand. Over, you got, you got the, they got the parachute right, and it's like, okay, ready to go. But how much are we paying you? Let's start the bidding. At twenty thousand pounds. That's a, that's a, a pound for every foot in the air. Is it? No. Okay, let's go up to forty thousand pounds to jump out of a plane. You have a a professional with you he'll catch you he'll be okay catch me you can't you can't promise that you don't <laughs> mistakes happen in the sky like you you don't know oh, a bird could come it could puncture the parachute then when you let the parachute go they're holding it now so now i'm falling down a lot faster than you planned you can't catch me then even if i survive i've broken several limbs not worth 40 grand is it it's you not made worth a great point kyra that level of physiotherapy and the level of medical care you might need I've made some phone calls. Two hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. But we're going to give you two hundred thousand pounds to do this. I'd contemplate it for a quarter of a million pounds. Quarter wow. of a million pounds. All right, all right. Now I want you to know that the skydiving instructor, who we're going to call Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's got an eye missing, but that's not even related to whatever happened. Not exactly. The bird that pierced his eye did no damage to the parachute. And since then, he has had a glittering career, which began during his tour of the Falklands. And some say that he may have slowed down since those times, but his he, safety comes first as far as he's concerned, Kyra. 250,000 pounds over Ukrainian Russian airspace. But <laughs> who, like... We did need to get I, the space. We're hitting a million then. Absolutely not. <laughs> one up. <laughs> I, 
I need to know the money is there and my family is going to be good if I don't come back. That's a million minimum. Yeah. There you, go. you see, right. I, I'm scared of the same things as you, Kyra. It's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely kind of scared of heights. And I once went uh, under the water for a diving thing. Didn't love it. But, um, you know, I, I'm a bit scared of it because it's a bit weird, isn't it? Um, but I did that just to impress my wife. Um, yeah. But I, I, I would probably, I'm really scared of heights. I don't like flying. Do not enjoy being in a plane. Um, but I, I think, used to be, but I think recently I, I quite enjoy being in an aeroplane and like looking out, but it's, I think it's falling that gets me. I think my fear is falling from heights. I don't know if it's actually, I don't know. It's weird. No, it's not being up there. It's the falling from there. Like it's, it's just the, the, the feeling. feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that. I don't mind being high up necessarily. I can't look down for too long. Yeah, yeah. But, like, being in an airplane is not a problem for me anymore. It's just, it's the the possibility of falling and that feeling. The way your belly turns. That, yeah. Yeah, you got you got you got to do a few roller coasters to get used to that. And no, But I tell you, that feeling is, it's not great. I understand where you're coming from. See, the thing with me is that uh, I understand these fears. And these are not, these are not irrational fears. And uh, I wouldn't say I'm a brave person, but I guess courage is defined as being afraid, but doing it anyway. And what my life experience has been is that I've had to do stuff whether I wanted to or not. So like, for example, the first time my family went to the Caribbean and you know, when you fly to the Caribbean, it's like the reverse, it's like uh, Russian dolls, like the planes get smaller and smaller, the closer you get to the island. Now, my family is from a place called Karakou, which is uh, off near Grenada. And uh, it's also one of the, it's like got a population of, maybe 9,000 people, uh, very small island. And in the flight there, we decided to take, uh, I want to say like a biplane, but basically a plane with a propeller. Mm. And it's not a big, it's not like a private jet, but it's a small plane. And they're like, well, it's pretty cramped back here. Someone's going to have to sit up with a pilot. And my whole family look across to me and I'm 10. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, what? And they're like, yeah, you can sit with a pilot. And so I got to get a front row seat and watch a very small plane where you can feel it going, wow. And I had to be on that plane to fly to uh, Karakou. And so whether or not I wanted to, I got to sit and be a co-pilot on a flight and see how the whole thing works. And so, yeah, I had to do that. And then I remember the first time I flew to Estonia, the plane had propellers. And... uh countries that you're going to. Listen, some of them are for the love of family. The others are for the love of the job. And um, they don't tell you that planes are going to be this size when you sign up for this stuff. You just get to the airport and they go, there you go. And whenever you, you know, whenever you go on a flight and you have to walk on the on the runway, you're like, oh, it's going to be a bit crazy. And yeah, it was one of it was those kind of jobs, basically. I remember another time I flew to Switzerland and I was with Finn Taylor, the comedian. And we, this is like the first time we met. And... I'm somebody where like, I don't do small talk. And I, and I say don't do small talk. It's like, I'll talk to people, but I don't like to make people feel like they also have to talk for the sake of it because people might want to sit by themselves, read their book or whatever. And we're like talking, we introduce ourselves, we're sitting down. So the plane starts having turbulence. And at one point it goes, and you know, those times where <laughs> it falls enough that you have to wait for the stuff. So there's stuff in your tray table that has to, a little second before that falls as well, because that's how much it falls. So it's like, and then we looked at each other and in that way, we're bonded for life because 
that was a different type of turbulence to experience. When it, like I said, there's turbulence, but turbulence can be okay. I know like, I always say to people the way to work out to be afraid if the cabin crew are still moving around, you'll probably be fine. When they got a strap in, then you might slightly be worried. When they got a strap in and then they look at each other like, what the fuck? Then be worried. But normally, I you'll rarely experience that level of turbulence. But that one time when that plane went, woof, and that's the sound, because I'll never forget that sound. Woof, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I had another, another experience of flying to Aberdeen and flying back from Aberdeen. And the plane was about to land. I don't know what happened. But then we had to go back up again. And for a plane to land on a runway... If it misses the first time, it's like another half an hour before it's clean again. So we had to basically, so I don't know what happened, but we had to go all the way back around again and land again. These are some of my flight experiences. And on the point of like being scared of heights, I don't think I've been scared of heights or flying, but my most recent trip to Australia, there were a few instances where I was kind of like, I don't know if I like flying that much. And it's just, yeah, a tough one. Like I flew, I flew. So first of all, it's like a 20 hour flight. So I had to fly 10 hours. I think like, no, 17 hours. So I flew 10, seven hours to Doha in Qatar. Then like waited for an hour. And then I had a 10 hour flight to Australia. And do you know what? Once you finally get up there, it can be quite majestic when you're above the clouds and you can see like other small planes and stuff. And it does look quite cool. But when I got there between that, I flew, I had a number of different flights and flying between like mining towns and stuff. And at some point, like there's a point where you're like, this is too much plain food. No. <laughs> Eight hours is so long. That's yeah. so- it's so long. It changes your body chemistry. Like once you've done a flight to Australia, because I used to think that flying to New York was long and it was like seven hours. Yeah. Once you've done 23 hours from London to Melbourne, where it's like seven hours to Dubai, then another... 17 hours or 16 hours no flight will feel as long as that again um and i bring up australia because when we talk about irrational fears most people's irrational fears are all found in australia which i experienced so (laughs) i am so my first wild snake out there (laughs) so when but we were driving to another small town and as we're driving we're like uh, the tour manager Gideon he's like yeah so you know and, he, and then I just hear someone go snake 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 and we look in the road and there is a brown snake which is clear enough to see on the road mind you on a motorway and it is in full wow going across the road and I think we ran over it no yeah or Howard what's more likely is the snake wound itself up in the wheel arch and is now angry and was just waiting for us to stop where it can get off bite me, infect me with its venom, and then turn my blood into jelly. Next thing you know, the neurotoxin has got me passed out. And now I'm trying to transcribe my will while the uh, doctors are trying to administer the anti-venom. That's what I was worried about, but it didn't go that way. uh, Sounds like it was a great trip. And um, just to point (laughs) out that uh, all those conversations about having difficult flights, um, try them with small children. But that is one for another time. I can promise you. That's but Howard, do you have a irrational fear? Because my thing is, Kyra, is I've I'm really squeamish about like toilet stuff and, and sewage. And so for me to go into a sewer, it's gonna take a lot of bread to read to be because even festivals, when I if I go to when I go to festivals, if I have to use a festival toilet, I lose faith in humanity. Mm. I genuinely tried to hold it. I went to a festival that Yeah, I me did. too. 
toilet for the whole day because I listen. I'm not. Nah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Listen, I went to Latitude one time. I didn't. I didn't have a bowel movement for seventy two hours. Yeah. I tried, but yeah. the thought of or even looking down, my body's like, nah, cuz we're not. We're not a part of this. I'm sorry. Latitude. Huh? The hotel's near where Latitude Fest is. Yes, there is. So look into that. So I think they do it in Suffolk. So there are some adjacent places. So but, yeah, um, ain't it, no shame. It, ain't no shame in that at all. It, it was a lovely question that took us into <laughs> some quite dark places, Kyra. So thanks for that. Welcome. Uh, I'm with it, Kyra. City, city raised. City raised. Like in Australia, clear, clear, clear oceans and seas. At one point, we, I saw a wave. They were fishing that wave. I was like, what the fuck are they doing here? And then I remembered, <laughs> oh, this is their domain. I'm the person that's the outsider. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Who's got time to be doing scuba diving where people, where fish have sex? That's crazy. Yeah. You don't belong there. It's intriguing. I don't belong intrigued. there. They're having sex, orgies, living their lives. Like, sharks are having sex with other sharks, doing their things. You know, people are eating. They're, all of them are taking, taking doo-doos everywhere. All the fish of all the types. Why do I need to be a part of that? Well, if any fish want to get in touch and defend themselves, uh, feel free to contact us on social media. Um... <laughs> Uh, but uh, I'm, I, I enjoyed your question. I'm going to move it on to my question, Kyra. It's based on uh, your uh, stand-up, which I watched some of your Comedy Central uh, stuff. Uh, you can find a good clip online, uh, listeners. Um, involves uh, your love life, didn't it, Kyra? Yes, it does. So That's I've it. got a question. I've been out of the game for a long time. But let me tell you, my question is, 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 is I hope, uh, still kind of interesting, uh, which is... When is a first date a good date? Uh, there's so much pressure on first dates. Uh, and generally, at least in my experience, they were fucking awful. Uh, Tell her how many dates you had before you met your wife, Howard. 78, Kyra. Met, met 78 women. Is that... You beat 78? Yeah, I went through the internet. I went, went through half the internet to find, to find the woman that I, I married. Yeah. Tell me that is not a, a, a rom-com waiting to happen. <laughs> 78 dates. I don't think football teams play that much games in a season, Howard. Yeah, they don't. No. 78 dates. That's a thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure you could. You could that needs to, that's a great. Yeah. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds great. There you go, Howard, you man slut. See? It, it, it wasn't. Support. It was awful. Um, but, but, but the dating world is a tough business, I think. Have you found not that? Fine. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about first dates, Kyra? How do you, how'd you get on with them? I don't mind first dates. I feel like I know a first date's a good date when I want to see you again. That's a uh, that's very very relaxed standards there. <laughs> if I can bear to be around you again, that's a good date. Oh, because like it's not even. I like when someone takes initiative. I hate when people are like, "Oh, where do you want to go? When do you want to do this?" Like, don't ask me to do anything. I'm already indecisive. If you mm. ask me to plan something, I will be there. So, so planning a big part. Yeah, like I just I can't. As long as the conversation's there, it's easy to talk to you. You're not faffing around with the bill. Grow up. As long as none of that is happening, here for a good time, man. Here for good vibes. So let's say the gentleman says, "Listen, Kyra, like I waited a long time for this, and uh, I want you to know just to be Sounds around. A bit you. sinister, just to be just, just to be around you is just to be around you is a pleasure, and uh, I want you to know that all expenses are going to be covered by me. Don't you dare touch your pocket." And then you come around the corner and you're like, why the fuck are we at an air hangar? And he's like, babe, <laughs> there's one thing that moves me. It is skydiving. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. No. <laughs> I know you don't like to make plans and you like someone to make decisions, so I have planned this. Now, I know that you're worried. It's only 10,000 feet this time. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh well Kyra was a great guest she's left the show <laughs> uh, you, just you like the, by that point you would have known what I enjoy doing <laughs> yeah so I enjoy doing the first dates skydiving is at the top of that list yeah so that's absolutely out. Yeah. absolutely not. cinema dates absolutely not no cinema <laughs> that's interesting how come how come no cinema why is the first time I'm meeting you are sitting in the dark for two hours because Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is out. I'm predicting, don't worry. I'm focusing on Spider-Man. I'm not focusing on you. That's true. So that's a good point. So you want you want the first date to involve conversation as much opportunity to get to know somebody. So cinema's out. Any other yeah. activities? Uh, skydiving and cinema are out. Any other activities that are out? That are out. I'd, I wouldn't suggest eating as a first date for me just because I... I'm too cautious of how I'd be eating and I don't think I'd really be enjoying mm. my I feel like bowling is an ideal first date for me. Bowling and drinks. Bowling is good. I know, yeah, I know how competitive you are. I know if you're a sore loser because you will lose. And then, you know, I know if you can handle your alcohol. We're, we're, covering, we're covering a lot of bases here. I feel like yeah. it's a good... It's true. It also, I think bowling is also a good way of learning about hygiene because if that person puts their fingers in a bowling ball and then puts their fingers in nachos, you're like, that's going to be a problem. That's a bit disgusting, isn't it? It is a bit disgusting in a post-pandemic world and given the fact that they found madnesses inside of bowling balls, then you need someone that's like, you know, sanitizing in their fingers. But, but yeah, bowling's a good one because you can have conversations between bowling as well. So that's a good one. Usually it's like you suck, but like it's still conversation. <laughs> yes. you you uh you just insulted somebody in good jest <laughs> what a catch what a catch yeah. you are hope them, hope, them, hope them hands and fingers work better than that my guy another strike <laughs> uh, i mean i don't know about bowling is that a good uh, i don't know is our like, bowling not, is amazing okay it's not romantic is it it's yes it is Bowling is bowling is great, Howard. It is the sport of kings and queens and world people who are also uh, non-binary, and uh, you know it just shows you that you know someone who's prepared to carry their weight. And also, very rarely at bowling are you gonna have to kind of bowling is a place where people can't really flex. I think that's what's good as well. You don't you can't put on airs and graces so easily when you're bowling. Speak for yourself. Well, no, I I do speak for myself because my flex is. Licking down them pins like a legend. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like activity dates in general are good, are usually a good space, a good area to go. 
Yeah, because you kind of get to see who somebody is, really, I suppose. Like, like I said, competitiveness or if they're selfish or not. Or if you're in a VR simulation with a zombie attack, will that person leave you today? Exactly. So pretty good. I think a first date is just about a conversation. And I would struggle to have conversation at a bowling alley. Well, I just, I think, I, I think the reason why so many people find first dates so intimidating is because, especially if you're sitting down eating dinner, it's just very like, oh, how many siblings do you have? What's your favorite color? Oh, when was your last relationship? It just feels very like. It's very, mono- it's very, rep- it's very uh, homogenous. Like it's, it can, it's, it's like a job interview. So it kind yeah. of takes away from the romance. I get that. That's what kind of makes me not want to go on one. If I know like we're going to be having fun and the conversation will come mm. naturally, but I hate sitting down across from someone that I don't know and just kind of just probing them. It just feels a bit like. See, that's the biggest thing I have about dating is that it's the idea that you have to spend time with somebody in order to determine if there is chemistry. Whereas I guess I'm someone who grew up in an era of not so much dating, but more linking where it's already established that you kind of are attracted to each other. But then I suppose that can also make things complicated as well if you, uh, I suppose, jump the gun too quickly. But I've always kind of, with some times dating's kind of, be, but I just think dating's harder if you're going to try it because I suppose there's a dating culture where you go and meet somebody and be like, we'll see how it goes. And I think I'm somebody where I'm like, I'd rather know it's going to go well with this person because then it doesn't matter where you are with them. You can probably enjoy their company. But I think yeah. maybe dating culture's kind of changed, I suppose, since... I was in the game and stuff as well, but yeah, I think that, yeah, online dating, yeah, that's the difference. Is that it's it's a wide, it's arguably like a wider, a wider net to cast, but because it's a bit wider, it can be a bit more random in terms of what kind of matches you have. But I never was really a dating person, I guess. I just feel like it's got to be like stripped back and like all you've got is this person. I don't need any. I give me a drink to kind of loosen me up or whatever a bit. That's useful, but like. I want to know, you know, because I think after a while in a lot of people's lives and listeners, let us know what you think about first dates. But like, I think people are pretty serious in them. Like they become more serious the older they get. They want to find a suitable person to uh, cohabit with uh, and some in cases procreate with. Uh, so you will want to ask them some questions, right? That's like, I like that will come like because. Yeah. Howard, don't project that onto onto young Kyra. I'm sorry, Kyra. <laughs> you know, one day you'll have to think about serious things. Nah, she's just trying to do some bowling, man. <laughs> I just, I feel like the conversation will come eventually. I just feel like the environment really does help. Like yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't really like, especially like quiet restaurants. It just makes me more anxious and I'm more likely to be a bit more closed off. Whereas if I'm having yeah. fun and I'm myself, I'm more likely to be a bit more conversational. I'll probably open up a bit more. I feel like we'll get further than if I'm just sitting across. And people need it. And I think, especially when women are dating and if I'm dating, you need an exit strategy. It's, I think it's important that like, sometimes that's why people do like things like double dates and stuff, because it's like people might be much more inclined to relax if they've got like a familiar face around them or they're in a familiar environment. So I can kind of, I definitely understand that. Would you ever bring a date to a gig? I have. Nice. Did it go well? The gig and the date? Gig did not go that well, but like. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Where did you bring them? Huh? Where did you bring them? What, um, what gig? How, why, was, why was the gig bad, I should say? 
it was in High Wycombe. Um, yeah, I know it. Yeah. It was just like, it was just like in this hall. There were three people that were talking very loudly the whole time. So yeah. I already knew it was just going to be long. I spent half my set telling them to shut up. It was just, but I still got laughs and people still came up to me afterwards and was like, oh, that was really good. But yeah. I, I enjoyed it. So it just, it, for me, it wasn't ideal that that was the one that that person had come along to. But I, yeah. find, I don't find it a bit intimidating when people I'm dating come to shows. Yeah, it can be. It can be definitely be a strange one, especially because I've had people who I'm dating come to shows and the material I'm doing kind of makes me sound like I'm single. And uh, I, I, I had a bit where I, I said something like, it's a pullback and reveal joke. So it's not actually about me being single, but the way it sounds and you know, what ran up to the punchline is like, I'm single. Because I said something about like, so I went to this lady's house for dinner because I'm a player, I guess. And I'm kind of like joking. She left the gig. <laughs> no, she's That's not that serious. Oh, trust me. She was, she, <laughs> to give you an insight into my previous dating life. There was also one time I was doing a recording for a show, like a pilot, and she couldn't get through to me. And by the time I saw the last text message, she was like, whichever whore you're with, I hope that bitch gives you AIDS. So <laughs> she wasn't the one for me. Wow. That's crazy. Listen, yeah. You, if I don't know if it's because I'm a comedian or if because sometimes when I'm on stage, I appear quite deadpan, but people will say the wildest shit to get a reaction out of me. You do come across as very deadpan, but I don't think that warrants something. I don't think it warrants it either, but that's where you are. But she was like, I hope that bitch gives you AIDS. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. And that, that is... it's insane. And the bitch in question was actually Ellie Taylor, who was not at all, who was just the host of the show. Wow. This is that's another thing though. I feel like when dating, it's really important to speak or be with people that understand your schedule. Yeah. Get really difficult if you if you are dating someone that has like a nine to five and has quite a structured life and they don't understand that you're not always available, especially on weekends. Yeah, weekends are my busiest time. Yeah, those those normies won't understand that. Um, but uh, um, I was going to say that one of my favourite worst first dates I ever had, and there's a lot, um, was when I turned up at the station. I used to meet women. Every time I'd arrange the date, it would be at Angel Station. So when I'd go past Angel Station now, I just kind of like can see all of their ghosts congregating around the station. And um, I remember turning up at this one date and I'd been set up by, with a, by a friend to meet this person. And, you know, she was a perfectly nice looking lady, but she just had like one of those massive kind of Russian hats on, um, you know, the big furry hats. And I just remember turning up to the date and saying, Hey, wow, what a hat and laughing. And then I pretty much knew as soon as I'd done that, it, I mean, there was no future in it. She was just, it was just like, I don't think I can be with someone who has this hat. Maybe she was just trying to stand out so you'd recognize her when you got there. No, 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 she liked it. Russian? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't even being. Uh, and she wasn't skeptical so... in about 2011. Yeah, all that. No, it was. I, I've never dated Skepto. If that's the question you're asking me. Oh yeah, well, yeah it's worth asking. So, yeah. um, but that probably is one of the weirdest questions we've ever asked on this show. And there's been a few. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I mean, look, I, I I think first dates are fascinating. That's why that show, first dates, will run probably forever. Um, but um, 
That's great. That's a great show, by the way. Yeah. I just wanted to add one quick part to that question. If if someone says on a first date, bring your passport, you go in? <laughs> bring both your kidneys. Um... <laughs> bring it, you'll, you'll need your passport and your Bible. <laughs> I don't get me wrong, I've had friends that have flown out like the first time they yeah they'll meet the person beforehand like yeah, yeah of course in person but their first actual date has been like a week in jamaica and i hear it for the people that are, i'm yeah. just absolutely terrified i just yeah, it, can, it can go two ways that could go two ways yeah I I watch the film I hostel guys don't be careful yeah although um, I'd, I'd like the idea but i would say to that person you know take a picture of me and take a picture you can show to your family just so you feel, you know, comfortable. Or bring a friend. If you can afford to fly somebody out to Jamaica for a week, maybe tell them to bring a friend, right? Because then it's, yeah. it's like, oh, then there's, then there's four kidneys. So, yeah, maybe you're right, Kyra. <laughs> yeah. it's, time, it's time for your question, Dane, uh, so that we uh, move away from this idea of taking Kyra's kidneys. Well, the, yeah, I know, but the main point takeaway is that the potential suitors listening, um, that as long as you have a good time and, and uh, Kyra wants to see you again, that's the only criteria, which I think is more than fair. Yeah. Um, with that being said, Kyra, as I said, um, I've uh, seen, uh, as Howard and I have said, seen that you uh, have had some great viral clips uh, and uh, we're watching the beginning of what looks like it's going to be a very prosperous and deserved career. Um, obviously, I am now what would be considered an OG, as I've been referred to many times by Andrew Mensah, uh, which I take as a compliment. <laughs> Um, which I, I never did it, but yeah, I appreciate that status. And um, uh, my question is kind of related to that because, um, because of you know the new generation of comments like yourself and like Kazim Edwards, Michael Akadiri, um, you know Sakisa Bostwick, just to name a few great comments that are coming through. It really is starting to look like uh, the comedy landscape is a lot more reflective of Britain's uh, makeup and. I'm very enthused and happy about you guys and what you're doing in the scene. Um, but obviously, I have a different experience, and um, I don't always get to tap in and see what's happening with you guys. Um, but I feel like it's a good time where now, if there are gatekeepers, that you guys can find ways around it, whether it's uploading your content online and being able to connect with uh, just as no one is, it's not just as straightforward as you have to go to Edinburgh and spend money to become successful. Do you think there is a golden age of comedy that you'd like to have been a part of? Or do you think there is a an ideal time to have been a comedian or which could include now? In terms of how diverse the comedy scene is now, I'm very happy with where I am mm -hmm. and uh, the time that I'm doing what I'm doing because I feel like the people that have come before me um, are doing a lot to keep that door open and to make sure that there's more representation for everyone. And I feel like they might not have had that support when they were coming up. So I feel like mm. as time goes on, there's going to be more and more black men, black women, people of color on TV, and it's going to help more people come up and be involved in the TV industry in general. Whereas before, that just seemed far-fetched. I think the only black female comic I saw on my TV growing up was in terms of comedy so i feel like she and she moved to the states just to make it happen so that just tells you what you need to know really 
exactly because they weren't really she wasn't really getting opportunities over here. No, so, and now she has now she has a, a sitcom that's like in its fourth season in the states. So. I know. It's so amazing, man. So I feel like times are changing. They're mm. changing, but they are changing. So I feel like I'm definitely. It's 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 great now that I I will do certain shows and there's more diversity than there was before. Even when I first started, I'm not saying it's amazing now because nine times out of ten, I'll do a show and I'm probably the only black woman on the on the lineup mm-hmm. or I'm the only black person on the lineup. It happens, but yeah. there are definitely there are more shows now that are targeted towards people of color, yeah, or queer lineup or do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Going out of their way now to have more representation. So. I can definitely see a shift and a change. So it's mm-hmm. great to be part of that change, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, I do definitely think that it would have been amazing to have been a part of the scene when social media wasn't as big a factor. Mm-hmm. Just because I feel like now as comics, it's almost like we're, we're comedians, but we're also, you have to be a full-time content creator in order to get your audience out there. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about focusing on your jokes on stage. You now have to, you have to be funny everywhere kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it would have been great to experience just just being a stand-up. I feel yeah. like that would have been really interesting. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Because you, you, went, you, went, you studied like uh, drama and theatre at school, right? I believe. Um, when you were studying, as you were kind of looking at your prospects as a performer... Did you, were you optimistic about those in that, like, so for example, obviously in work, I've kind of met uh, a lot of black British actors and stuff. And some of them have had Shakespearean training. Some of them had, I guess, more, I guess more, or been in more conventional parts of like acting and stuff like that as well. When you were like studying and you were looking at like your prospects, did it seem like you was like, it's going to be a tough one or, you know, it looks like there's a lot of people that look like me out there. I mean, I think... It's always been a thing where I've looked around the room and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a minority here. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, in terms of the arts, any audition that I've gone to, any class that I've gone to, there's probably two or three black people and I'm, I'm one of them. So it's never, it's not, re- it's not really, none of this has shocked me because yeah. I've grown up with it. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely know I knew that there's always, I knew that there has been space for us. Mm-hmm. It's just make it seem like there's only, there's only enough space for one or two of you at a time. Yeah. yeah. But now people are kind of forcing them into these spaces and showing them that there's space for everyone. There's space for all of us. And now young people coming up are seeing more and more people on the screen, man. And now it's like, everything seems more possible. Yeah. I remember when people used to talk about stand up because I've, I've been in, Kelly and comedy for a while and people used to talk about stand-up like it was for people who had mortgages or people who had like you know we're gonna you know people of a certain age and mm-hmm. I think that has started to shift and change and and also the diversification of who's on stage brings mm-hmm. different people to it so there's kind of this like spread right that you can feel like there used to be a certain thing which was, let's be honest, a white man uh, who did stand up and he would talk to other people of a similar demographic. And that would be comedy for a lot of 
obviously it's not entirely i'm just saying on a, on a, on a, on a general level that was the case but then this diversification also creates some conflicts right which is you know if you have more and more people doing it is there enough work to go around but i think i think there's always there's always enough work mm-hmm. like not everyone we live in a world where unfortunately not everyone is going to make it but i feel like the the rhetoric of there not being enough work for everyone has always kind of been an excuse. Also, there's not enough work for everyone in real outside of comedy anyway. So, you know what I mean, there's only so many jobs and roles. Like, not everyone is going to get to do what they want to do. But I feel like with how diverse with how diverse everything has gotten, it's broadened up the audiences more. And so, because of that, there are more comedy audiences. My friends before I started into comedy had never been to a comedy show. Same like as mine. Yeah, yeah. Never even thought to book a comedy show just because. But it wouldn't know. It wouldn't even know where to go. Yeah, they, they there was nowhere that they felt welcome or like it just wasn't. It either wasn't for their age group or there wasn't anyone that looked like them. Or, so, oh, yeah, or sounded like I had the same experience on stage. Yeah, I totally agree. So like, I feel like there are more opportunities being created because now younger people are looking at younger comics and being like, "Right, I relate to this. This is funny. I can let me." She's, you know, I feel like there's always going to be more opportunities. There's always going to be more, more roles for everyone to kind of take up because we're broadening the audiences of every, mm-hmm. every different that comes up into the scene. We're bringing more and more people into into the comedy world. It's not just comedy isn't just for one kind of person. I feel like every comic is for a different group. So you're always going to have a specific audience for you, and the best comics are people that can make, make everyone laugh, not just someone that looks exactly like you yeah and i think even the skin deep differences that's just scratching the surface because i feel like what tends to happen is once even however you present or identify when you speak about your experiences or how you see the world there's going to be some commonality between your viewpoint and people that don't necessarily resemble you and that is how like you know people become a lot more unified and like you said the best comics make everybody laugh and i think um it's like with sitcoms sitcoms were always effective in giving people an insight onto a culture they may not be that aware of but doing it in a way that's not political but just in a way where it's like you know your dad's like this my dad's like this your mom your mom says this my mom says something similar and uh i think it's also beneficial because uh even as children of immigrants there are the world is a lot smaller because of social media and the more people see people that look like them and have experiences that uh, similar to their own outside of the UK that also like I said ruins that market makes it a lot bigger and yeah it's uh it becomes a lot more a lot more palettes get used to kind of like getting a taste of that different perspective of comedy so yeah because co- I feel like comedy is just one of those things where it's not like you can't say you don't like comedy you can't say yeah. you don't like laugh like, it's one of those things that is actually although we've both heard people say it yeah, <laughs> you, yes, we have. yeah and you think yeah. You think that's a good comeback, but I actually feel sorry for you. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's yeah. so, it's like there's, and that's why I'll never open my mouth to tell another comic that they shouldn't be doing it. There, there isn't enough space for them. There's someone for everyone. There is a comedian for every single person. Even exactly. if you don't find them, someone that finds them funny. So, And also, do you know what it is as well? I think a lot of the time when people say there's not enough space, that's a very capitalist notion where we got this idea that one person gets to win and everyone else gets to lose. And I always tell people, it's like, even if, if you look at someone like Michael McIntyre can gross like 22 million from doing tours. 
if 22 people made a million from doing comedy, that would be still be fucking amazing. Yeah. So if 22 people could all have 22 individual audiences and perform in their places and earn a 22nd of what Michael McIntyre earns, then there definitely isn't too many people in comedy. And it's not to say that he necessarily earns too much, but it goes to show you that if it could be that lucrative for one person, there's enough that it can still be life-changing for at least 20 people. So I definitely agree with you on that one. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I just, I'm glad to see, I think it just goes to show you that it's all relative because there are some things that are new opportunities and you can be optimistic about. And obviously there are some parts of things where you're like, uh, well, there's different challenges as well. And I suppose, because I, I, I never want to be, because obviously being, a, being an OG is fine with me, but I just always never want to be the person that's like, well, you know, in my day, you know, <laughs> you couldn't be a black comic and be a comedy store. So yes. I never want to become that person. I look, forward to, the day you, I look forward to the day when your voice sounds like that, Dave. Listen, um, when it does, as long as I'm able to take care of my family and friends, I'm fine with sounding crazy. But um, yeah. It's been a, an excellent episode of the podcast, Dane. We've scared Kyra. We found out her dating habits. And we've decided that it clearly seems like she has a future uh, in comedy. So uh, quite educated. We've got one through quite a lot of things, haven't we? I am positive that one day you're going to switch on your phone and or your uh, digital TV. And Kyra's going to be at the top of a building being like... <laughs> <laughs> and then come back now where Kyra does the big million dollar jump yeah, as long as you know if you see me on top of a building and I'm about to jump just know that they've given me a, they've given me a million pounds see that's the problem Kyra if it was me I'd just go in the, in the ring with a YouTuber and let them box me in the face now I'm rich I can't do that because that's my face <laughs> they don't have to hit you in the face you can be like me oh my stomach this fight is over <laughs> <laughs> let's see what father time does to you, Kyra, when you do it is time you might change your tune in, in, in 10 years. We'll see. Um, but um, it's been very good, isn't it, Dave? It has been a great episode, Kyra. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, taking the time. I appreciate it. Um, just need to tell you, uh, ask you, sorry, where can our listeners and viewers find out about what you're up to uh, now and in the not so distant future? Um, so my Instagram and my TikTok um, is at its Kyra Gray. So that is I-T-S-K-Y-R-A-H-G-R-A-Y. Um, and I post all my upcoming gigs and stuff on there. A couple funny clips as well. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, it's Kai TV, but I just, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. There will be something on there by the end of the year. Yeah, but real real fans get on board early. So you can be like, I knew Kyra back in the day, you know, when, you know, but she didn't jump off buildings for kicks. They knew me from back then, way back then. Less than a thousand. Yeah. But yeah. even presenting the, the bowling championships. So. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing all the stuff that comes next. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at dbqepodcast 
and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.